Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello. Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today is, well, why don't I give you a little behind-the-scenes action so you can sort of get an idea of when I am recording this versus when it is posted to see that I have sort of a bit and um, recorded enough so that I can relax over the holidays, kind of, sort of. That being said, it's December 24th at 7 o'clock in the morning. What is going on? That's ridiculous. Why am I doing this? I don't know. But it's got to be done. The show as they say, must go on. Uh, I'm going to pause this for a second and try to figure something out because I don't like the look of my levels. They are not high enough. So let me just see. Maybe I don't have to pause it. Speed. Playback volume. Recording volume. Okay. How's this? Hello, 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 hello. Still not great, but uh, I think I've improved it a little bit. Maybe I'll just have to speak the fuck up. Jesus. Uh, Okay, so top of the show, I like to say that there will be spoilers. I say it at the top as a warning for all things contained within the episode, although sometimes I will give other individual warnings. So this is a warning and a warning of warnings, really. Another thing I like to say is that, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million doll hairs. Doll hairs? No, dollars? No, that's not anything. Uh, The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes because podcasts grow and flourish when you do so. Uh, I think without further ado... Oh boy. Uh, I'm going to push a button and that'll get us started like this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the Adam Sandler Film School of Diminishing Returns. Thank you, sponsorship, for sponsoring this ship of movie talk. Oh, yeah. Okay, a movie the first is called uh, The Ridiculous Six. This, I suppose, uh, was released because of The Hateful Eight and because Adam Sandler has a deal with Netflix that he has to make so many movies, those two things combined, means we have this one hour and 59 minute piece of really bad, not so bad it's good, bad movie. Yeah. Uh, It's a uh, western. It's a comedy western, which 
uh, if you've ever seen Blazing Saddles, which is an amazing comedy western, and then realize that, hey, comedy and westerns, they can go together. Then you watch a movie like this and you think, no, no, they cannot go together. It has ruined it for any Blazing Saddles movies in the future of good quality, let's say. <laughs> this is turning into probably the one of the meanest reviews I've ever done, which I don't like to do because, as we say at the end of the podcast, it's nice to be nice to the nice, and I'm sure all these people involved are nice. I kind of wish that maybe uh, Adam Sandler was an asshole, but from all I've ever heard of him, he's a nice guy, so um, maybe I should stop talking about this and just say that it gets a doesn't get a one because I didn't turn it off but then again I was watching it with other people and sort of watched it with the missus and the mother um, and probably would have turned it off so let's go one and a half there you go not quite a not quite a one yay uh, and there was you know one or two laughs which means that it gets that extra half sure why not and uh the love interest um the native american love interest super super hot so you know there you go some some highlights from that film (laughs) uh the hateful six film that feels wrong just to say that sentence okay so moving on to helvetica uh, I think a while back, and I recommend this to anybody, um, search for, you know, top five uh, documentaries, top five uh, comedy movies, top five, try to be more specific than that, um, but if you have an interest in a type of movie, search for a list of that type of movie, and you'll uh, quite often find cool things, or uh, a, a good search is like, top uh, 10 documentaries that uh, you haven't seen yet. Uh, lists like that kind of feel a little silly because you've obviously, or at least in my case, I've obviously seen some of them, but then you'll get some hidden gems uh, like this one uh, called Helvetica, which uh, I don't know how it made it on one of these lists because it sounds like a very, very boring movie. Uh, it's a documentary about typography, graphic design, and global visual culture according to Imbuda, uh, with specific regard to Helvetica, which is a font. Which, uh, one of the interesting things is all the millions of places you can look around and see the sort of impact of Helvetica and fonts throughout uh, the ages. Uh, so it was, it was interesting. Uh, it didn't sort of blow me away, though. So uh, I'd probably go a solid 3 out of 5, which, as you know, means I enjoyed it while watching, but wouldn't watch it again. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. Okay, uh, next movie is Vacation, as in National Lampoon's Vacation, as in the reboot of said vacation. Oh, boy. Uh, Rusty Griswold takes his own family, so this is the son of Clark Griswold. Uh, he takes them to Wally Worlds, and, uh, of course, chaos ensues en route, as it does in any vacation movie. This I went into with low expectations, having heard pretty bad. Uh, heard it was pretty bad. Uh, sort of very, very interesting that I have The Hateful Six, which is a bad movie, and I have this, which I had heard is a bad movie, and, and it's not a great movie, but this is much, much better 
somehow. Uh, it, uh, so bad it's good at points, and uh, good in some points. Uh, I, I don't know why people sort of poo-pooed it as much as they did. Actually, it's got 6.2 on IMDb, which uh, I would say is a little low. Oh yeah, see, the meta score is 34 out of 100, which is very low. Pause. Uh, Rating-wise, just since we're talking ratings, uh, I'd go four-ish out of five. Yeah, like, uh, that's enjoyed while watching and possibly would watch again, even. So, like, uh, if they uh, maybe watch this and uh, the original, sort of uh, do a little uh, movie screening of both, uh, I could see that being a good idea. Um, What's his name? Uh, Ed Helms, very good. Christine Applegate, very good. Uh, I like the kids. Uh, Chevy Chase, or Chevy Chase, if you prefer, makes an appearance. Uh, he looks old. <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo looks pretty good. Uh, there's a sort of cast of characters that they run into along the way, which uh, make it that much better and funnier. Good times were had by all, except for the Griswolds, who had a horrible time, which made it funny for us. Okay, uh, moving on to a horror movie that I watched with the missus called The Gallows. Uh, it was scary. I, for some reason, have a fear. Probably one of my number one fears. I don't like heights. That being said, I can go up in a skyscraper and, you know, look down from the balcony. Uh, I don't like heights, like, at the top of a ladder heights. Is that weird? Is that weird that really, really tall heights don't bug me, but, like, on the top of a ladder I get a little shaky? Uh, anyways, this other seemingly irrational fear is long hallways. Uh, something about long hallways. <coughs> I think maybe, excuse me, uh, I saw The Shining at a too young age, and if you've seen that, there's lots of long hallways with scary shits at the end. Uh, so that would possibly explain it. Uh, this movie has a lot of that, and it is very, very cheap in terms of jump scares. Uh, scares versus jump scares. Why don't we just talk about that for a second? Uh, a jump scare is where something will suddenly be loud, suddenly pop up on screen. Uh, to the this, this movie is so bad at that to the degree where sometimes the things that pop up are just a guy jumping in front of a camera going, bleh! Like, that was literally one of them. It, it was a, This is a steady cam movie, which kind of uh, lose an interest in those pretty quickly. Uh, so he had a camera... He pointed it at something, and then he, the camera owner, jumped in front and made a scary sound all of a sudden. Uh, jump scare. That's the very, very definition. And then there's sort of the opposite of that is like the slow build, the psychological scare, the the things that can happen slowly and yet be terrifying. Like a uh, good example of that is the, uh, the grudge, the girl coming out of the... Uh, the television. Uh, that's scary. It doesn't happen suddenly. You could see it happening, but still scary. See, see the difference there? Uh, this movie did not really care for for that reason, and the long hallways I don't like. So I'm going to go uh, 2 out of 5. Okay, last movie. We're really not doing good on time here, so I should speed through this, but it was probably the best movie of this bunch now that I think about it. Uh, it's called The Road Within... Uh, a young man with Tourette Syndrome embarks on a road trip with his recently deceased mother's ashes. Which I think has been in a movie before. 
that sort of trip with uh, a loved one's ashes to distribute them somewhere. Yeah, I think that's been done. What hasn't been done is uh, this guy with Tourette's, uh, a girl with uh, eating disorders, I think plural, and a super, super OCD guy uh, all embarking on this journey together. Uh, this is a perfect, perfect Sunday movie. Uh, laughs, cries, the whole thing. Uh, Rating-wise, I'll go on a Sunday 5+, plus uh, on any other day. 5 and minus. Eh, how about that? Okay, I think uh, I should push this button, which will continue us on this journey, my friends. Today's television talk sponsor is the Reserved British Academy for Asshole Tightening. Thank you for that. Uh, today we're going to talk Peep Show. P-E-E-P-S-H-O-W. Peep Show. This is a British television comedy, which uh, for my bang, for my buck, is some of the best comedies out there. Uh, it's actually a little behind-the-scenes action. I uh, Now, in this post- episode 300 world I'll usually have the Wikipedia page open for what I'm talking about just in case uh, I want to find a name like the two stars of this movie David Mitchell and Robert Webb for example see when I used to record this when I was driving that was not available to me I just had to uh, not remember names or say them ever uh, anyways, I brought that up because it says this is a dark comedy, which is a, a very apt description. If you're a long-time listener of this, you will know dark comedies are usually my favorite. Much prefer that to a sort of happy or a slapstick or whatever. Dark is the way to go because it sort of combines uh, real life, <laughs> sad to say. Uh, that combination of more believable because it's shittier and so is life. Oh. Wow, really uh, sort of brought myself down on that one. Anyways, uh, this is available on Netflix. Uh, there is eight seasons on Netflix, if I do recall. I friggin' flew through these. Uh, that being said, because this is a British television show, uh, the series are like, uh, oh, there's nine of them. So it's a season. So that uh, seems to go a little uh, quicker when you're watching it. Uh, okay, so what's it about? Well, let's... F first off, let's start by saying how it's filmed, which uh, I kind of got used to, but I don't know if I liked, per se. It's all filmed, every episode, the whole thing, from a point-of-view uh, perspective. So uh, you're always looking through the eyes of one of the characters, which is an interesting way of doing it. Sometimes could be a little disorienting when you're jumping back and forth between two people having a conversation. Um, th the, the reason they did this, seemingly, is because it allows you, the viewer, to hear the thoughts of uh, more than one person. So, like, say if you look at The Wonder Years, it wasn't point of view, but you could hear Kevin Arnold's thoughts. Uh, this, you can hear everyone's thoughts. Um, when you're seeing through their eyes, you'll hear what they're thinking, which uh, adds quite a few layers. Uh, a smart idea, I suppose. 
uh, executed well 90% of the time. Huh? How about that? Uh, okay, so it's two guys living in an apartment, um, and that's it, period, basically. <laughs> One of them, it's that sort of uh, classic odd couple type. You know, you got your clean one and your messy one. That's uh, that's always what it is. You got a clean one and a messy one. When you really boil it down, uh, <laughs> you, you might have other traits, but that's sort of the main ones that are the most obvious. Uh, the clean one, played by... I said both their names already. Uh, the clean one is David Mitchell, and the dirty one is Robert Webb. Uh, they're trying to, you know, do typical guy things. Get ahead in uh, their careers in the form of David Mitchell. Trying to get a career in the form of Robert Webb. Uh, a lot of it revolves around their love lives, or quite often lack thereof. Um, some of the women who come in are weird and beautiful and uh, all, all in all done incredibly well with that sort of British dry wet that, uh, that I love so, so very much. Uh, I'd recommend this to anyone who likes, um, oh shoot, what's that other British show? Uh, I can't think of it right now, but uh, if I do, I'll be sure to email it to you later. <clears throat> and we're done apparently. Tell us to talk. Conan the Librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Uh, today's book banter sponsor is Unicorn Horn, a.k.a. the ultimate aphrodisiac. <clears throat> okay, uh, so we're talking, if you're following along, uh, a book titled Juxtaposition by Pierce Anthony. This is book number three of the Apprenticed Adept series. Uh, I think I mentioned... Uh, when I spoke of the first book, that because it is the Christmas holidays, uh, I like to get a, a, a nice big series on the go so I have something to sort of uh, focus on through uh, through my, my holidays. One sort of chunk of literature, if you will. Uh, because I've done this for the first two books, and because it is funny to me anyways... Uh, I'm going to read the insanity that is the description from uh, the Wikipedia page of these books. Because, uh, you know, like, you read the books, and I suppose a part of you realizes that they're pretty crazy. But when you boil it down to these little paragraph descriptions, they're fucking insane. Okay, uh, years of mining for the high-energy mineral protonite has left an imbalance between between Proton and its sister world phase. To restore the balance, citizens, citizen slash adept style that's his name, S-T-I-L that's the main character's name must juxtapose uh, the frames and transfer phaseite from phase to Proton. Or the two worlds will both be destroyed. However, he faces resistance from the contrary citizens and the adverse adepts. Ooh, a little uh, alliteration there. Uh, who stands to lose considerable power if he succeeds. Yeah, I, I don't really get 
I was going to say I don't get the science behind this idea, but it's also magic, so you could just say, eh, it's magic, you know. Uh, he's got to take this magical substance um, that in the science realm powers, you know, spaceships, but in the magical realm powers magic. Huh, well, there you go. And uh, because it's all been mined out of the science realm, he's got to bring it from the magic realm to the to the science realm to maintain a sort of balance uh yeah that's the reason for the season uh, <laughs> because uh, if he does this the people who have magic in the magic realm will uh, have their magic severely diminished they're not big fans of this idea and i don't really know why the science people don't like this idea like what's oh you know what it is because uh it means um, style will then be the richest person on the planet and uh, the planet's governing body is uh, whoever's richest gets the most votes <laughs> which uh, you know kind of similar to uh, our modern day society oh snap uh, I don't actually because I don't follow politics know if that's really accurate but it, it feels like something uh, that someone who knows about politics would say <laughs> Okay, uh, rating-wise, uh, if you can suspend your disbelief, which, you know, if you're reading a fantasy-slash-sci-fi novel, I assume you can do so, uh, it was pretty good. Uh, rating-wise, probably go three. So far, it's not my favorite of this series. Of the three that I've read, this is my least favorite. Um, the next one, pretty good. Oh, you know what? I just see, uh... This was written in 1982, and the next one was written in 1987. Uh, so hopefully Pierce Anthony had some time to figure some things out. Uh, one sort of cool thing in the next book, it's uh, many years down the road uh, in a sort of different cast of characters. Um, some of the things that I like of this book is that... Uh, and this is things I like of comics and, and, and a wide variety of things. is a, a bunch of people with different powers and abilities. So, for example, take the X-Men. Uh, that's probably my favorite example. Just just a bunch of random people with a bunch of random powers and how they can interact with one another using those powers, be it to help one another or to hinder one another. Um, just sort of a, something that always tickles my fancy. Uh, like this song does... Huh? Segway? Much? Game Gavin. Today's game Gavin sponsor is Synthetic Lives Matter. Okay, so, continuing on with Fallout Weekend 6 and 7 of my playthrough, I do believe my numbers are correct, but then again, perhaps they're not. I don't actually know. Anyways, it doesn't really matter, we're just talking Fallout 4, as you do. You know what, I realized I forgot to put the number 4 in my description, so I'll have to add that, so you don't think I'm talking about Fallout 1, which I did play for a couple hours, um, does not hold up too well. Does not hold up too well. 
anyways, uh, sort of, I feel a little bad and hopefully going to rectify it as soon as I'm done recording this. Uh, the badness is uh, quite often in a game like this, and you, you know what, I'd like a little audience participation here. Would love that to hear from you if this happens to you as well from time to time. When you play a giant game like this, uh, there's a main story and then there's your side stories, your side quests. Uh, quite often what I'll try to do is get to a point in the main story where I'm near enough the end that I know I'm near enough the end, but not close enough that uh, I could close enough that I can sort of just leave that mission and then spend uh, a lot of time doing the side missions until a basically clean them all up and then go back to the main mission. The reason I do this is I find uh, if I power through the main mission um, then I have difficulty maintaining my interest for the side quest. Excuse me, for the side quest. Does, does that happen to you? Uh, the reason I feel bad is because the main mission was pulling me in so much I basically just powered through it in these two weekends and completed it. So I, I've now beaten the, the, in one sense, beaten the game, uh, in the sense that I've done uh, a lot of the side missions and all of the main missions. So I'm in the sort of post, uh, I've, this is where spoilers will come on, uh, I decided to side with the Brotherhood, uh, which I, I sort of chose from the get-go that I wanted to do that, and uh, destroyed the Institute. Blew that shit up, I did. Uh, really good explosion, I should say. Reminiscent of blowing up Megaton, um, but it was sort of in a city, and it wasn't the whole city that was destroyed. Uh, and you were sort of watching it from on high, as you do. You push a button and shit blows up. Cool, uh, always a cool sort of visual. Uh, I did also, which maybe this will come into play, I haven't really decided yet, maybe down the road, uh, I saved the game right before I sort of had to make serious decisions on which faction to go with, uh, so maybe one day I'll, I'll go back and side with somebody else. Uh, can you side with the Institute? It seemed like you could. Uh, I, I think maybe that would be a cool idea to do that. Uh, sort of the way I was thinking, too, is if if it was real life and I was in this situation, I probably would side with the Institute just because they're underground and it's all clean down there and they have showers and stuff uh, and seemingly lots of food and, and cool tech. Whereas if you're above, you know, you got friggin' giant scorpions and radiation and probably doesn't smell very good. So, you know, and where are you going to get a nice hot shower? You're not, which uh, I don't care for. Uh, okay, so what I'm going to do next is uh, a bobblehead hunt. Uh, and then probably, at least my tentative plan, is to uh, do some hunting for rare guns and hats. Because that's what I like to do. Look for guns and hats. Uh, potentially because I'm off for five friggin' days with these holidays... Uh, I might move on to a different game. So this might be uh, our last Fallout talk. Uh, just on that note, fucking love this game. Uh, you know what? We'll definitely be back for DLC, right? So 
when that comes out, I'll do sort of as I am doing with The Witcher. Uh, as it comes out, I'll play it, uh, we'll bring it back, we'll talk about it, we'll make a goddamn game cabin segment out of it, is what we'll do. Uh, I'd love to hear your Fallout 4 stories. Um, anything you've seen cool, think I should maybe try out. Uh, one of my favorite things, just because I am a lover of the television show Cheers, you may already know this, uh, they recreated to a fair degree of accuracy, not 100% by any means, I, I'd go 70%, yeah, sure, 70% accuracy, uh, the bar Cheers inside this game. Oh, that's actually where I, because I knew it existed, I went there on purpose and saved my game right before I had to start making decisions. So that way when I look at the little screenshot, I can know, oh yeah, I was inside Cheers, that means I have to go outside of Cheers and then start making serious decisions. I'm at, I'm actually right the second, to prove a point, looking at the entire series of Cheers on DVD, so, you know. I, if you listen to episode 100, I do believe it is, um, called The Dreamosphere, where I read my dream journal from uh, years gone by, I've had, uh, maybe I didn't write them all down, actually. Anyways, I've had quite a number of dreams where I was in the bar chairs, just sitting there, shooting the shit with uh, the cast. <sighs> Alright, well, that's a peek into my brain, I suppose. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Harmontown Family Psychiatric. Thank you, sponsorship. Okay, uh, item the first from the interwebs is rather the combination of two items, which is rather the combination of many items, which is uh, GameSpot and Electric Playground year-end lists. Uh, a lot of people, not just these two people, but these are probably my two favorites, will combine a list of things from the previous year in a numerical order, usually of a top ten variety, because these are my two sort of video game go-to sources. We're talking top ten video games of 2015 in various categories. I, I, I do love that kind of stuff. Uh, it's just the human brain likes a good list. Uh, and because mine likes a good list, perhaps more than most, um, you know, I like this kind of shit. Uh, I, I like part of it. I, I think I found this year in particular is the validation of my love of Fallout 4 and how much others love it and speak highly of it. Uh, it's just something stupid that uh, you have something that you love and then others talk about it and their love of it and you feel that sense of validation. Uh, I, at least uh, <laughs> at least I'm smart enough to realize that that's a stupid feeling, that sense of validation that, oh, we both like the same things. But still, it, it's still there. Uh, recommend uh, checking out GameSpot and Electric Playground in general, but... Um, if you're not going to do it every week, like I do, might as well check out the, the top list that they post at the end of the year because it's a good summation. 
Okay, uh, next uh, I brought back uh, something from Funny or Die, since I haven't done that in a while since, to be honest. I don't know. Uh, Funny or Die, I've subscribed to them on uh, YouTubes now. Uh, I get their weekly newsletter, and they haven't uh, they haven't funnied as much as they've died late, lately, I, I kind of feel like. Uh, with this exception, which uh, I really like, it was a Jewish Die Hard with Phil Rosenthal. Uh, Phil Rosenthal, creator of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, among many, many other things. Oh, you know what I meant to do? And maybe I'll I'll make a note. Jordan, mental note, if you ever listen to this, which you probably won't, uh, watch All Have What Phil's Having, which is a sort of eating travel show with Phil Rosenthal where he travels around and eats shit. Not literal shit, just things. Uh, super, super funny dude. Uh, and this was a funny, you know, little mash up as we'll call it. Oh, okay, so uh, here's another little uh, new thing in the world of things that I experience online, sure. Uh, uh, Funhouse, which I've spoken of very highly on this very program many, many times, has a new cast member? Employee? Person in their videos? Yeah, let's go with that third one. Uh, in the form of... What's your name? Uh, Elise. Elise, yeah. Uh, Elise Williams. Willems. Oh, boy. Having trouble with that name for some reason. It's not that complicated. I just can't read. That's sad. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring this up is manyfold. She is very, very good. I like her very much. Uh, that reason, and because I feel that when you introduce a girl to something uh, that is primarily men, and that is video game uh, edutainment, sure. Uh, if you have a video game channel that is all guys talking about video games, saying, you know, dirty shit... Uh, dirty shit. One of my old man, old man Maywood here. Uh, hilarious guys, yes, but sometimes they'll say super, super dirty things, which are equally hilarious. Uh, and then you introduce a girl to the mix. The internet, most likely, I can assume, is gonna lose their shit and be like, oh, get that girl out of here. No girls allowed. The, the internet is a ten-year-old boy with a fort saying no girls allowed, basically is what I'm saying. Uh, so I, personally, uh, because I love the addition of a female to anything, because girls are awesome, uh, especially in this case where uh, she's sort of a bit of a balance, uh, also incredibly funny. Something about the Willems family, and I've said this before, uh, this is not a dig against any of the rest of the group, but uh, James Willems... who uh, is the husband, oh, a little nepotism there, I suppose, of uh, Elise Willems, uh, has sort of consistently generated more laughter than the rest of the group. Not to say that all of them aren't funny, because they all are. Um, it's just James seems to be the most spot-on, towards my personal brand of sense of humor and uh, and then his wife comes on, and she sort of spot on with him, which I suppose makes sense. They they live together, they're married, they they share similar aspects and experiences. So to have their sense of humors overlap and be very similar and tickle my fancy very very hard uh, is not surprising, I suppose. Okay, so 
Uh, welcome, Elise Willems, to Funhouse, I wanted to say. Uh, okay, so next is Harmontown, episode 10 to 20. Harmontown is turning into one of my favorite podcasts just of all time. Uh, the, it is a town, and that is what Dan Harmon is going for. The, the sense of community oozing out of the, the, the earbuds into my ears, bud. Uh, really incredible. Um, oh, you know what I should mention? Uh, if you follow me on YouTube, and I hope you do, you will see some things that I have taken from, uh, Harmontown episodes and made little mash-em-ups. For example, uh, on this, it'll be Sunday the 27th or some such, uh, Dan Harmon, this is is something that happened in the episode 3, I do believe. We're here to talk about episode 10 to 20, but because we're out of time, I'm not going to be able to do that. We'll just speak in generalities. Uh, He took, uh, he he created words to the theme song to Night Court. (laughs) What the fuck? Just saying that uh, is funny to me. Uh, It's a theme song that doesn't have words. He created words for it, sang it on the show. I pulled that from the episode uh, and then took the theme song from Night Court and put this over top of it sort of thing. It really mashed up pretty good. Uh, So I'm going to post that on Sunday. Send it on to him, hopefully. Maybe even get a response with, hey, that came out good, idiot. (laughs) That'd be my perfect response. Just love this guy. Uh, love Spencer, the Dungeon Master. Love, uh, shit, what's the other guy's name? The other guy's name. That is the, you know what, let's round out this episode, since this hasn't come up in a while, uh, with the name curse. The curse that I have that is the inability to remember names. The curse brought about when receiving a blowjob, I ran over a gypsy man. His wife then cursed me with the inability to remember names. No names. Folks, you know what I'm going to say? That it is nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best 
best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.